Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. Um, I'm happy to be back. Um, sorry for the the brief uh, hiatus. Uh, hopefully, it won't happen again anytime soon. Um, but uh, we're back again after I guess four or five days of uh, of no podcasts. Uh, we're back to a lot of really good stuff. Um, iTunes. Uh, we're on iTunes now, so look for us there. Search us out. Subscribe. Rate. Review. I assume those things are good. I don't really know anything about iTunes, but. Um, all the podcasts I listen to seem to be pretty interested in that. Um, we have a patron only RSS feed that I can give out to patrons. We have an RSS feed just generally. You can go to the podcast webpage at no-cartridge.net. Um, and soon the actual website will be up next, uh, next essay I write. Um, so we're moving along. Uh, we're, we're definitely getting stuff done even in our time off, but, uh, I'm really just happy to be back to be able to talk video games with you guys, um, and especially this one. Um, I want to discuss uh, Planescape Torment, uh, just the this, this classic um, uh, CRPG, uh, which is just basically a uh, jargony way of saying US RPG. It's not like a, it's not like Final Fantasy or um, uh, well, Final Fantasy is kind of the, the the clear one. Pokemon, I guess, in a certain way, uh, Xenogears. All those genres are, are what you'd call like JRPGs or, or Japanese RPGs. Um, generally, have a more sort of anime feel, um, and in terms of mechanics and, um, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, character creation, um, generally are focused around uh, a more streamlined. I won't say simplified because they can be very complex, but but more streamlined. Um, uh, point of view. Uh, CRPGs or US RPGs, and I like both, so I'm not trying to cast aspersions. Um, but CRPGs are much more related to uh, Dungeons and Dragons style uh, tabletop role playing, which we'll get into a little bit here. Um, and so uh, a lot based on dice rolls, uh, saving throws, things like that. Um, a lot in um, a lot of the game's emphasis in terms of leveling up based on things like wisdom, intellect, uh, strength, uh, stuff like that. So you know, the um, the difference between just, like, having a character who gains experience and gets levels up and stuff and swaps out weapons, between that being, like, a JRPG RPG and a game where, like, you have to worry about, you know, does your cloak give plus two to your wisdom or not, right? Um, or, like, what potion will allow you a better chance to have a saving throw against death? Like, that's more of a CRPG thing. Um, so you, you're sort of looking at the difference between, like, Final Fantasy 15 and... I guess The Witcher 3 in a certain way, or um, uh, World of Warcraft has CRPG elements. I'm trying to think of a really good example, uh, and I'm having, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Um, yeah, Planescape Torment's a good example, uh, um, uh, Baldur's Gate. Um, these aren't perfect, but they sort of get at the, get, get at the idea. Um, the original Fallouts are, are good examples of this as well. Um, so RPGs just in general, though, uh, they exist as kind of a weird bastard genre, and I, I don't mean bastard as in like a, a, like a, a mean term or something like that as a pejorative, but as like to say they don't really have a clear home. Um, they're born of a, like I said, there's born of those score sheet days where like, um, uh, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, this isn't what I said. They, they have that narrative quality of score sheet games of um, spreadsheet, tabletop, D&D RPGs, um, but they're born of like, you know, the early RPGs are kind of the forebears of, or the the children of games like Adventure, um, as well as games like um, uh, Tiny Little Passages or um, uh, Zork, which 
which are these text-based games, which sort of are different than adventure. Adventure is a, is a visually based game where you kind of run around in a castle. Um, whereas Zork or tiny little passages are, are about telling a story basically via a, a text interface. Um, the marriage of these games came about, I guess, predominantly, um, I would say in two ways, one through adventure games, which we'll talk about another day. Um, and uh, the other way was through um, early NES RPGs. Um, and you can quibble with me about this for sure, um, and I'm sure like people will. But uh, to my mind, the RPG as we know it today kind of comes about when we're talking about Final Fantasy One or uh, Dragon Quest One. Um, these games come out uh, alongside games like the original Mario Brothers and Kid Icarus or um, uh, Ice Climbers or Excite Bike or whatever, right? Like uh, Metroid, um, Castlevania. Those are um, sort of the different. Those are the beginnings of a different genre, uh, but again, sort of similar. RPGs have a lot more in common with the, those previous games, though. Those kind of like high-scoring games, games that like you're playing to up your score in a, in a very clear way. Um, experience, uh, hit points, uh, magic points, all this stuff, right? Um, totally add up to how your character survives in their magical world. Um, and so while narrative is kind of written in through the back door, like, you know, Mario's narrative is save the princess, whereas Dragon Quest narrative is like also save the princess, but with a lot more backstory, um, and sort of development, even of minor characters, not a lot, um, but some, uh, it's still basically like get your points as high as possible to win the game, right? Even though there's a win condition, it's still based around points. Um, so, for instance, in Dragon Quest, you can fight the end boss whenever you want. Um, there's nothing stopping you from going to fight the last boss in the first five minutes of the game, except that you would die immediately. Um, it's not a linear narrative in that like you have to build up to that last final confrontation as you would in a contemporary game. Um it truly is like get your numbers high enough and then go ahead and, and settle things at the, at the end game. Um, so that actually fit in quite well in early gaming, right? You sort of get a story, but you also have the same kind of points feel that you're used to. Um, as other games push narrative out fully to the forefront, though, and so like this is, you know, you're thinking about games like um, uh, the Metal Gear Solids or like um, uh, even, even like, you know, once shooters started getting heavy in um narrative so even games like the battlefield games or like um uh, uh oh boy i'm sorry metal of honor games um you know I, honestly probably even like the earliest version of this is like um uh goldeneye uh the the n64 game um that had so much story in it as well these sort of like genres that were known for just being shoot 'em ups now had narrative as well and all of a sudden every game now has a narrative every game pushes a narrative forward so grand theft auto 3 is kind of the next important move here narrative kind of takes the forefront um and all of these games then put their numbers to the back right it's not like you get high scores in games like goldeneye or grand theft auto 3 you might get like accomplishments or um, money or different weapons or whatever, but it's all in the background, right? It's not like you have a, a score running up at the top. Um, while that all kind of went to the background in other games, RPGs kept elements of the score sheet visible, e.g. experience, magic points, hit points, you know, points to next experience level, um, levels as a general thing, um, just ways of quantifying how powerful your characters are. And a lot of this is because of the remaining influence 
of Dungeons and Dragons and spreadsheet tabletop gaming. Numbers count in the RPG genre, even if narrative is what it's built on. So there's this, you know, if you think about tabletop games, the numbers basically lend a level of constraint to the progress to the process, right? You can't pretend your character can kill every monster because they have numbers on the on the page. So like there's risk built in, there's tension, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So the numbers are important, they're built in. And that makes RPGs kind of weird, right? Um, they are these weird sort of nerd games about numbers, right? Like who talks about like what level you have to level up to experience things like that. Um, even in Overwatch where levels exist, um, you just levels just are uh, uh, status symbols and ways of getting new skins for your characters. They're not, you know, how you beat the game. Um, so, I find it really interesting then that I haven't really seen in RPGs and, you know, maybe it's just because I'm not up in them as much, but I haven't seen as much in other game as in other games. Like, so even something like run gun, jump gun or devil daggers have these explanation of controls that kind of go away from like, Oh, you just press X to, to fire because you just press X to fire. Right. Like run gun has, um, the guy saying like, Hey, press left shift to jump, press right shift to, to fire. And the, the idea is like your gun's the only thing you have, right? There's the built into his explanation is this idea that the gun is the character in the game, essentially. Um, whereas in Devil Daggers, right, like the time limit, the points you get at the time limit, um, that's explained by the fact that it's just a survival game, right? Like you are going to die here, stay alive as long as possible. Um, and, you know, in some ways... RPGs let the various articles of gen of genre faith, again, XP, gold, mana, HP, etc., live in their own world. Um, and they sort of like, you know, all the characters, all the sub-characters, everyone seems to just kind of accept that they're real, right? Like, oh, well, you need to sleep here. It'll replenish your health and mana, right? Oh, oh, that'll be like 10G or whatever, right? Uh, they might make jokes about it, but almost always it's a matter of like, um, it's a matter of some uh, consistency. Um it's natural to the fan base, uh, but it's also like super artificial and stands out more and more in a contemporary moment. It's idiosyncratic. Um, and so what I find really interesting to finally 10 minutes in get to the point, this is going to be my longest one, uh, about Planescape. Um, Planescape's this like super seminal RPG and it's old at this point. Um, it's, you know, 20 years old, uh, probably, yeah, probably 20 years old at this point. Um, maybe a little less. But what I find fascinating about it is it accounts for the weirdness of RPGs, not by accounting for the numbers. So it doesn't say like, yeah, look, there's all these crazy numbers and we have to figure out a way to use them. Like the way that say, um, spec off the line might, right. Where like the, the kind of hallucinations of the main character, uh, cause a sense of like, okay, this is why, um, you know, we have these weird mission conditions and stuff like that. Um, no, like the numbers are actually left there unexplained. Um, but uh, it actually, it, it kind of takes on the weirdness of RPGs by taking on RPG cliches, uh, which are actually, in the end, sort of narrative cliches or, or, or folktale cliches, as uh, Viktor Shlavsky, um, the famous uh, Russian uh, formalist, might tell us, or Vladimir Propt, uh, excuse me, Vladimir Prop, the other famous Russian formalist, might tell us, um, or Joseph Campbell, the American uh, mythologist um, and, and, and anthropologist might tell us stories through time have had, um, you know, basically plug and play instances, right? Like you can find like, does it have a troll? Does it have a monster? Does it have a princess? Does it have a prince? Does it have a kingdom? Does it have a this, that, the other thing, right? You can plug and play myths, stories, etc. Um, however, in Planescape, like this is the same way. There's all the cliches in there, but 
they're always undercut, ironically, right? So you play as this guy named um, the Nameless One, um, which is totally cliched, right? Like, oh, he's nameless. Like, he can be anyone you want, and he could even be you. Like, it's a power trip, right? Um, but he's a dark stranger because, like, he literally has no memories. He truly, like, the whole game is about him trying to figure out who he is. So it's not a, a case of role-playing. It's a case of literally role-playing the game in order to discover who the character is, not to make him more like you which is sort of like what a lot of games do, uh, especially early RPGs, right? Um, RPGs always have these sort of constant deaths and resurrections, um, if not built into the plot, built into the structure of the game, insofar as you can kind of like come back at the last place you rested. Um, these are constant in Planescape because your character can't die. He's unable to die, um, and that's why he's lost his memories. Um the various dead party members left in your wake, you hear about all your, your past adventures, and instead of them being sort of this wonderful ride or, or memory, um, they're awful. They hate and they haunt you from the very beginning of the game. Um, you're just this cursed person on this adventure instead of playing out a power fantasy of being an adventure, being on a quest, right? Um, added to this is the way that the game embodies generic RPGs in an ironic way. It, the, the genre itself is sort of like, you know, escape to magical worlds, right? Um, and in Planescape, Sigil, um, and they call it Sigil for some reason, or Sigil is what I want to call it, um, the town you sort of end up in is a is the gateway to all these other worlds. Like, again, Planescape, Plains, right? This is why they call it Planescape Torment. They're, you're tormented and you're in the Plains. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, you can travel to all the planes of existence in um, from Sigil, uh, but... Ultimately, they're just repetitive iterations of that home base, right? They run by the same... I mean, they're all different. They're all sort of interesting narratively. Um, but they all kind of come back to Sigil, um, necessarily. The portals all are two ways, and you can get back home, right? And even those... Even Sigil itself and the hive um, that you first enter into in the game... Um, is a repetition of sort of the structure of the mortuary that you wake up in on um, on a slab, right? They bring you in dead and you wake up um, alive. And again, at the core of any expedition, then, it's suggested that death is kind of like the main idea, um, especially in a game that, that rewards you for chasing numbers, right? And so people have mentioned this a number of times. Scholars, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but many scholars have pointed out that um, the sort of urge towards... Um, distinction in RPGs is continually disappointing uh, and sort of just, again, sort of like a, a death drive in um, a Freudian sense just leads us to the end of the game, the end game where, like, if our character doesn't die, then we just turn off the game and never touch it again, right? Um, and Planescape sets this as its goal to begin with. The, the Nameless One wants to die, wants to learn who he is and be able to just die. Um, so death's at the center of everything. Um it's kind of this dark, ironic characterization that's really, really well told. Um, however, I, I also think there's like something about Planescape that returns the RPG to its roots as narrative intervention in the same way that, say, Dragon Quest does for a game like Mario. Planescape does for a game like, I don't know, Final Fantasy VI. That's kind of the best, or Chrono Trigger, the best versions of that um, extremely nar uh, linear narrative of um, of uh, storytelling that uh, popular RPG sort of became um, and both of those games are brilliant so like that's not a that's not a, um, a slight um, 
there's so many branching conversations in Planescape. It's, it's you know, if you think of something like Mass Effect, where there's like three options every time you answer a question. Um, again, Mass Effect is a wonderful game, but not so much for choice. Same with Fable, um, contemporary choice games. Planescape puts this to shame. There's like often five or six choices you can make, all of which lead you down remarkably different paths. You basically just have to pick a line and go with it. You can't worry about where all the all the roads lead or else you'll be playing this game for 600, 700 hours. Um, decisions have to actually then be made by the player if they're playing a consistent version of the Nameless One. So are they role-playing? Are they going along with D&D to the, to the hilt here and like using the numbers to dictate a storyline? Or are they playing a mixed bag for, you know, better experience, full game completion at all? Are they just sort of using it as a way to get through the structure of the game? Um, so are you playing it as a, role, as a role-playing game traditionally, or are you playing it as a game that happens to um, incentivize uh, conversation and um, playing a role? Uh, the distinction there is pretty, pretty fine, uh, but you can think about it in terms of, like, someone who would be serious about like, okay, well, the question they'd ask themselves when faced with a conversation tree would be something like, what would the nameless one do here? As opposed to, well, what can get me sort of through this quest? Um, I kind of play more of the latter, but I admire more of the former, if that makes sense. Uh, furthermore, combat's de-incentivized and fairly unimportant in Planescape. Um, it's not a great combat system, and it really doesn't so much matter. The purpose of the game is trading in information, stories, and manifestations of self. So like, you're given all these tasks. The whole game is uh, fetch tasks in, in a certain way, um, but all the fetch tasks are fetched by way of conversation and further information about yourself, your surroundings, etc. The game even incentivizes it in terms of giving you experience uh, for for going into conversations. And in this way, Planescape kind of trades its arbitrary numbers, right? All the numbers that define who you are as a fighter, as a character, etc. for more substantial narrative, emphasizing not the chase for levels or leveling up, that sort of becomes secondary, incidental, um, but conversational completion, right? Like, oh, I can get 2,000 points of, you know, experience for talking through talking this character through his conflict with religion or talking this character down from panicking or helping this character out with a problem, right? Um, it actually raises experience and allows you to sort of further yourself through the game, by which I mean allows you to get through more conversations without getting killed. In the end, this mix of narrative irony and narrative emphasis is fascinating. We have this sort of ironizing move where it moves away, it backs off from from the idea of the RPG, of the RPG narrative, it kind of self-satirizes. Uh, Planescape does, but then also it emphasizes that it says like this is the only important part of the game like everything else about the game is unimportant It's not about the combat. It's not about anything except Talking to people and getting their story and working it out working out where you are who you are what's going on in this place You get to be the nameless one because you are also clueless um, But you also are sort of separated from him because his whole quest is to learn who he is It's not to learn who you are, right? You're not making him more like you. You're making him more like him um it creates a very fascinating but unstable game world, right? Where, like, it's kind of jokey, but it's also really serious. It's sort of narratively diffuse, but also extremely focused. Um, it's, I mean, I can see why people see it as a really brilliantly written game. It is. It's, it's, it's very, very precise and very, very well done. Um, I'll definitely be playing more and checking in as I continue. Um, but my initial thoughts, you know, three hours into the game or whatever, is that it is a really fine balance of intelligent approaches to the genre, e.g. the the kind of use of uh, conversations as experience points, um, and to uh, the, the conventions of the genre, which is to say 
the way the heroes are represented, the way quests are represented, um, ironically, self-knowingly, self-winkingly, self-reflexively. Um, I think it's worth a try, especially with um, the the new sort of uh, Planescape um, uh, spiritual successor, Tides of Numen- uh, Numeria, uh, having come out just recently, uh, which I'll definitely play once I'm done with this. But, um, you know, even if you don't touch it, uh, maybe, you know, do some reading on it, watch some Let's Plays, whatever. It's very interesting, uh, especially if you like RPGs. It's worth seeking out to see how it does what it does. It's not dated. It's It's... It's still a very interesting experiment and relevant experiment. Um, so thanks. Uh, that was our longest episode yet. I promise they won't uh, stretch out this long always, but uh, Planescape, I just had a lot to say about. Um, I hope you enjoyed a uh, sort of like brief history of the RPG form and my takes on Planescape. Um, you can quibble with me if you want, uh, you know, wherever you want. I'm on, I'm on Twitter, at Hegelbon, uh, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. Um, you can email me. You can direct message me, whatever you want. Um, the Patreon is patreon.com backslash Hagelbon. The PayPal is paypal.me backslash Hagelbon. The Twitch is twitch.tv backslash Hagelbon. And I'm going to be here for the, for the foreseeable future. So I'll see you again tomorrow. Um, if I can and Friday, if I can't Thursday's a little rough. Um, but I'm really happy to be back and I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you next time on no cartridge audio.